Good evening and welcome everybody to another Monday with us here at 180 Degrees on Radio K Pulpit. I'm Inga Stoffels. I'm Zoe George. And I'm Amana Inbais. Wow, it's nice to have all three of us here right? for a change. <laughs> it's, I love it when we're all together. Like the energy mm. is just so amazing. It's beautiful. I really miss it when I'm not here. Like the energy in the studio is really like off the charts. Mm. I don't know how to explain it to our listeners. And we can feel, we can feel now there's one person missing. Mm-hmm. Even if you're on Zoom, it's still like, oh, you know, yeah. we can feel that energy in the room. But if someone's on Zoom, there's that bit of anxiety as well. So here we can look at each other. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. On Zoom, there is no cue. <laughs> so we have an exciting show planned for you guys tonight. Cape Town. Cape Town. Cape Town. Cape Town. Cape Town. What's down in Cape Town? Cape Town. And now it is time for the What's Down in Cape Town. This week, it is the Invisible AR Art Exhibit. This runs from the 22nd of September till the 31st of August next year. So you guys have lots of time to check it out. This takes place at the Kirsenbosch Botanical Gardens. You just need to download the Seeing the Invisible app to see the artworks. Hmm. Once again, that's Seeing the Invisible. It's an app. It's available on uh, Android and on iOS, so everyone is welcome there. So interesting. Right? I have never heard of this, but it sounds so interesting. It sounds like something I would definitely be open to doing. Yeah, they're one of 12 participating gardens that will be hosting this AR art exhibit. Um, they're made by internationally acclaimed contemporary artists. The Seeing of the Invisible app uses physical locations in Kirstenbosch and argument augment the real world with visual artworks. Hmm. Sounds really fantastic. So it's this weird combination of standing there and looking through your phone and seeing the artwork, but it'll be like 3D so you can walk around it and apparently interact with some of them as well. Wow. That is, wow. Are there any prices for it? So you only have to pay the price to enter the gardens. Otherwise, the exhibit is completely free. The app is free. There's even Wi-Fi available for the guests there. I don't know about you guys, but that is going on one of my to-do lists. Same. (laughs) I cannot wait for next year for the first time ever. (laughs) I'd like to read you guys a quote from the site about the artworks. So each artwork explores the boundaries and connection between art, technology and nature. Some with thought-provoking perspectives. Visitors can walk around through some of the pieces, even hear sound effects. So bring your headphones along. Hmm. The exhibit features simultaneously, the exhibit features simultaneously in 12 other biomes all around the world. So there's a shimmering tapestry from Alan Natsui may appear on the phone in the area of the famous Kirstenbosch concert lawn, while a visitor in the Royal Botanic Garden in Edinburgh will discover the same artwork among the giant redwoods. Hmm. That was a mouthful. <laughs> so, you know, you are enjoying the same artwork here that people around the world mm. are enjoying at the same time. Wow. There's something very, I don't know, like kumbaya about that. Yeah. <laughs> like we're all connected in some way. Yeah, so that's this week's What's Down in Cape Town, guys. Go check it out. It sounds like it'll be really cool. And you can social distance while doing it. Just remember to bring along your headphones. 180 degrees on I Am Youth Movement. All right, so we're going to go straight into our interview. Today, we're chatting with Suzanne Hroblar. Suzanne, please tell us, what is your job description? Because I don't think I'll be able to describe it correctly. (laughs) Hi there. Um, I'm a financial advisor, so what I actually do is I look at the overall picture of a person's life, their finances, and their personal circumstances, because everyone is very much unique. And based on on their unique situation, I give them advice regarding their finances and risk. 
So I'd like to ask Suzanne, um, what basic advice do you have for the general use? So that is a very, very broad question. It depends on if a person is working or not. Mm-hmm. Let's say the person is not yet working, they're a student, they're studying. I'm going to upfront say it is really never too early to start saving. So when you get that pocket money, when you have some extra jobs which you get money in, start now by saving 10% of that. Mm-hmm. Just putting it aside. Start getting in that habit of saving the money that you're earning. It's a really, really good habit to get into and it will make the process a lot easier when you actually do start working. Mm. Yeah, so true. My father was briefly in the finance, financial savings department and he gave me that advice and it was pretty solid even though I was working little, little jobs here and there. The money I saved accumulated surprisingly quickly and it went well. So that's great advice, Suzanne. It will accumulate. That is absolutely the perfect solution. It starts, the earlier you start, the better your money will grow. Mm. And that's just the power of money in the long run. Mm. And what are some of the misconceptions regarding finances that young adults or that we might have out there? That's a very easy question to actually to answer. It's a major misconception is that you must earn a lot of money in order to invest. And I'm going to say that is such a lie. That is not true. Mm. Every single cent you can invest helps and helps for the good savings as well as investing habits. So even if it's five rand that you're putting aside in your savings and an emergency fund, it's going to help you for a rainy day. Yes, savings is not necessarily investing, but that savings that you're putting away is going to accumulate and that is going to accumulate to an amount that you can eventually invest. So even if it's five rand every week yes. or every day, whatever floats your boat, whatever you can afford, every bit helps. Suzanne, I'd like to ask you, at which ages or when should we start doing what? So that is a tough question. Let's say you are a student. It's a lot more difficult to start saving and investing. But I would always tell a person, as soon as you start earning a salary, you should speak to a financial advisor. They will make sure that you have everything in place in case something happens and you're not able to work anymore. I'm not just talking about saving and investing. I'm talking about let's say something happens to you and unfortunately due to what happened, this accident, you cannot work for the rest of your life. This is where financial advisors' advice from the beginning would have helped and you would still be okay even if you can't work. So that is the risk aspect. I'm just going to once again say that there's no age too early to start investing. I would always tell people, you know what, what you can do is you can encourage your children to do tasks around the house. Give them the option of earning pocket money and putting, putting some of that away for a rainy day. And you know what? Make it grow. Make it grow. Let's say you invest it now for a year. Make sure that that pocket money that they put away is going to be 10% more. That way they learn that, listen, money that that you invest actually grows and it's worthwhile just to hold out a bit more. You know, Suzanne, I really wish my parents had heard what you just said. Because (laughs) in terms of an allowance, I was well allowed to just live in the house. (laughs) And when I cleaned, I didn't get any money. But I, if I have kids, I will definitely do something like this. Um, Suzanne, so Honestly, I just 
I would also do it for my kids. If and when I do have kids, it's just the best option. It it teaches them the savings culture from a very young age, mm-hmm. and it really really helps in the long run. Um, Suzanne, what I'd like to add as well to that is uh, Suzanne helps me with my finances. That's how we met. We actually met through Luana. She gives me a lot of good friendships. But what you also told me in our consultation is that every time you go through a big change in your life, like you get kids or you change job or you buy a house or something like that, then you should also go to your financial planner to talk about it. So not only when you start your jobs, whenever something big kind of happens in your mm. in your life. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Anything big, it can be medical, it can be changing your job. And I'm going to say changing your job especially because with certain insurance companies, when you do change your job, you need to let them know, otherwise hmm. you're not covered. So it, even if it's a small change, you stay, let's say you stay an accountant, but you're going to another company, if you don't report that change, it could be that you're not covered. Hmm. So it's so, so important to report each and every change that you go through last to your financial advisor because sometimes they will just have a certain advice or tips that you need to follow and that will make life a lot easier. Group benefits with certain jobs are a good example of this. Group benefits, they will guide you that you don't follow just the default option, but they actually tell you, okay, you know what? Do this. This is going to be the best for you, especially if you have a family. Hmm, that's really interesting. I just imagine that they would constantly cover you throughout wherever you are and just... Mm. No. <laughs> there are so many no. little fine lines. Mm-hmm. There's so much red tape in being an adult. <laughs> and one of those things is having like children or people who are dependent on you. So I would like to ask, if you are in a position where you do not have dependents, who should you pick to be your beneficiaries? So honestly, that is completely up to you. Usually it will be the parents or guardians since they actually provided for you and got you where you are today. But there's no wrong answer here. It's just very important that you do have a will. I don't, if you, as soon as you start investing, you should have a will because it will fall into state, meaning the government is going to deal with your estate mm-hmm. and they're going to decide who is beneficiaries if you do not have a valid will. All these things are so important. Like yeah. I'm, I'm a law student, so I'm very familiar with these things. But it's also important to have things like life insurance. I recently have a family friend who has since passed, and he was unfortunately not in a position to have life insurance. He was also one of the breadwinners of his family. So when it came time for him to be buried, mm-hmm. the family almost didn't have much money to mm-hmm. do that. So they had to raise the money. Fortunately, they were in the position to do that. But it's a very morbid thing to think about, but you would want to be in a position where mm. you won't have to, on top of the stress of having lost a family member, have to worry about where you're going to find the money to now make sure that their entrance into the next life is smooth. Mm. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to be upfront with you. There's some very big misconceptions regarding the costs of last cover. Mm. Mm. Last cover can be as cheap as 200 rand, and that is probably for about a million rand last cover. It can be really, really, really cheap depending on your circumstances. So don't just say, you know what, I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Go actually look at what the costs are and what your benefits are. And then you look at, can I afford this or not? Mm-hmm. Especially if you have family, children, a wife that you need to look after. Yes, It's yes. very, very important. Don't leave your family in a bad situation mm-hmm. in case something should happen to you. 
And I think COVID is a very, very good example of this. Yeah. It gave everyone quite a bit of a shock mm-hmm. on the mortality of people in general. Mm-hmm. And I'd like so to, and I'd like to add to that as well. All the students out there that have debt, you could, you should also get in, insured to cover that debt should you pass before you can finish paying it off. Because my parents are co-signed to my debt, so if something should happen to me, it passes on to them. Mm. So just to make sure their lives are a bit easier, should I pass, I'm insured for. Well, mm. I'll soon be insured for that. Mm. This is actually so interesting because I had this conversation with my husband and his mom, with my mom-in-law, where she was, she's one of those that are like, no, I don't trust the banks or I don't, mm. I don't need this. It's too much. I can't do, I can't still pay a this or a premium or a D and a die. And a, you know, mm-hmm. she, she was, she had this inner mind of she already made up her mind. Like you said, it's too much. I can't do it. So we actually had to speak with our financial advisor. And as our financial advisor, you know, laid everything out for her, showed her all the options, she actually came to understand, okay, I can actually do this. Mm. And it's mainly because they they think, no, this is going to be an extra thing I'm going to have to pay out of mm. my pocket again, and it's not worth it. But at the end of the day, because then my husband's grandma passed on, and then they saw how all the fees and yeah. everything mm. was coming up. So then his mom was actually kind of a bit more keen on getting her things sorted. Mm, yeah. So it's quite important. It's important what we're speaking about tonight here. Yeah? And if you guys are listening out there and you have any questions that you would like us to ask, please feel free to WhatsApp us on 081-729-1657. I would also like to ask, you know, is there a minimum that you should earn before you start looking at a financial planner? Because some people maybe think, I don't need it yet. So I would just like to ask, if, is there a minimum you should earn before looking into financial planning? So I briefly touched on that earlier, but when you get that first job, I would definitely say go look for a financial advisor because they can guide you regarding employee benefits if you're one of the lucky ones that have employee benefits. Mm. That is so, so, so important because it's so difficult to understand if you're not dealing with this day-to-day. So I wouldn't say, you know what, there's no minimum. Even if you can't actually invest money and you can't actually put money away yet, if there's employee benefits, you do need to talk to someone that can guide you through that process. And if it's a good advisor, they will guide you and with the knowledge of you know what, you're going to come back to them and you're going to come, become a client later on. So that is usually the way I go about things. And you know what, that is definitely what's happening. I'm finding that people are coming back to me as soon as they actually have money. They do come back to me to invest and ask my advice regarding that. And usually the minimum for that is about 500 rand on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a default minimum, but sometimes it's about 200 rand. But I always tell people, you know what, start building that emergency fund first. Yeah. When you have that emergency fund, you can start looking at investing. But as soon as you start working, you do really need to talk to a financial advisor. Mm. I'd like to ask, uh, um, what would you suggest saving up for an emergency fund? Okay, that is actually very, very tough to answer because it depends on what your expenses are. So let's say you are paying off a loan, a car loan or a bond or anything like that. Of course, your emergency fund should be a lot more than the average person. But let's say you are just a student, but you have no debt. You're just starting to work now. 
I would say it's about two or three times your your salary that you're currently earning, just so that if something should happen, let's say COVID happens and you lose your job, you have three months of cover. Mm-hmm. You have three months of salary that will carry you through until you can get another job. Take note, emergency fund is not for a holiday. It's not <laughs> for expected expenses. It's for the unexpected, mm. like losing a job or in a car crash if you have to pay excess on your car, anything like that. That is unexpected. So the emergency is in bold and underlined. Mm-hmm. Emergencies <laughs> only. And it's not an emergency vacation. We know you're stressed. No. Go take a nap. <laughs> So, I wish there was an emergency fund for vacations, but not <laughs> just normal savings. Suzanne, I'd like to ask, we've established that insurance and having policies is very important. And I'm sure most of us who are on YouTube regularly see adverts for many, many different firms like Momentum or San Lam. And I've completely blanked besides discovery. <laughs> but I'd like to ask, how how would one go about picking a company that they should you know, sign with. Once again, I'm going to tell you, I don't recommend picking a company. Hmm. I recommend you pick an advisor Mm -hmm. because the advisor is the one that's going to be helping you through things, not the company. Hmm. So the advisor is going to walk the path with you. And sometimes advisors change their companies. And you just want to stick with the advisor if they're really, really good especially if they can help you and you see, okay, you know what, this person understands me. This person actually tries to explain things in a human manner, but it's understandable to most people. So that is very important. You want someone that you're comfortable with and that you can ask questions. You shouldn't be getting someone that is going to get annoyed by questions. Mm. That is not the way to go. And please note, you should also not be getting someone that's going to pressure you Mm. to buy certain products. It should be someone that is, you know what, the ball is in your court. Yes. It's your decision, but this is my advice. Mm. And that's me. I'm a person that asks a lot of questions because the the finance, finances is something that I <laughs> I want to know what is going on and I want to understand that small writing at the bottom. Mm. I want to understand everything. <laughs> and that's the thing, like financial jargon can be very confusing mm. as well. So I can read a contract and be like, these words I understand separately. In a sentence, I have no idea what this yeah. is. <laughs> so how important would you say, you know, those that are, um, that have taken out loans, do you have any advice on the importance of paying off loans as quickly as possible? So, honestly, it will depend on the type of loan. If it's a bond, it's a completely different situation. But let's say now it's a normal personal loan, credit card, anything like those type of loans. I'm going to be very upfront and say compounding interest works so well in the long run. It's one of the miracles of the world. Now, Imagine compounding interest, usually about 10% per year, double working against you. That is loans. Loans are about 20% interest that you're paying on it. Roundabout. And it can be very detrimental to your future. So if I would say, honestly, if it's personal loans, credit cards, anything that is around 20%, I would say, please pay that off as quickly as possible. No investment is likely 
to outperform a loan. Loans are exactly the opposite of investing. It's actually going to do a lot of damage to you. But let's say it's a bond. A bond is a completely different topic. Hmm. Bonds are, it's a bit of an actual um, debate between financial advisors because a bond is an asset class that you're paying into because you're paying off a property. So if you pay that bond off more at a higher rate, you're over-investing in property. And with low interest rates on bonds, it's also very important to take into account that investments can outperform bonds. So that's why I'm saying it depends on the type of loan. But if it's a personal loan, anything that is around about, I want to say, between 15 and 20%, please pay that off as quickly as possible. I think that's something really important to say, especially for the younger generation currently, because investing is a bit of a trendy thing right now. You know, you, you get all yeah. these people with their stock portfolios and they're posting about it on social media, but then they have loads of debts as well. So just knowing what to prioritize when I think is really important, at least for me to know. Yeah, you see, it's very difficult because sometimes you can be lucky. You can be one of those lucky few that chose a correct option. You can be one of those lucky few that chose, you know what, you chose a perfect stock in the short run, and it's just been fantastic. But that can just as soon turn against you. And you chose a stock that's had its run, and now it's going to go down again. So that is the risk of actual stocks. And I would always tell people, you know what, just focus on the short-term loans, pay that off as quickly as possible, then you can start focusing on long-term investing. And that is the key term here, long-term investing. Investment should be in the long run. If you're going to do short-term trading, you're just as well gambling. All right. Thank you. That was a phenomenal interview, Suzanne. Um, would you like to give a number or an email address where someone can contact you if they feel like chatting? I will just give my number. My email address is a bit of a mouthful, so I'm going to give my number. <laughs> it is 084-819-6095. All right. Thank you very much. And thank you for that lovely interview. I feel like I really learned a lot. I hope my co-hosts learned a lot. Definitely. And I hope everyone listening learned a lot. Thank you so much, Suzanne. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, guys. You must have a very nice day. Bye. 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 It was really nice and very important, I think. I know. I absolutely love financial planning interviews that we have. Yes, I feel like they're very important for the youth. Not a lot of people had parents who gave them these talks. And if we Mm. can advise people in any way possible, I think we should. And lots of parents have really bad financial advice. So (laughs) for me, this is really important because this is knowledge I do not have access to. And this is maybe some one of the ways, the only way that they might get financial advice. So I think it's good when we have a professional come on Mm. and speak because we can only speak of what we've been through. Mm -hmm. But the professionals can give us, you know, actual advice. Because she she studied to do this. You know, this is Mm. her whole career. I do really trust her with my financial advice. Now let's on. Go on into the Bible quiz section of the show. 180 degrees on Radio Cape Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m.
So we are in the Bible quiz section of the show. We've entered the dunun, dunun, section of the show. I feel like that is going to be the new idea. <laughs> so tonight's question goes a little something like this. Where did God give Moses the Ten Commandments? Hmm. Location. I was just telling Amarain in our What's Down in Cape Town when she said location, I read lotions. <laughs> and I was like, she's saying it wrong. But meanwhile, <laughs> so the question is, where did God give Moses the Ten Commandments? And you can WhatsApp us on 081-729-1657. That's 081-729-1657. Or you can SMS us on 3 Seven nine double eight. That's three seven nine eight eight. If you know the answer, one eighty degrees on I am Youth Movement. Follow us on Facebook today. I am Radio. So thank you guys for all your answers. Thank you for your WhatsApps, for your SMSs, and the answer to the question. The question was, where did God give Moses the Ten Commandments? And the answer is Mount Sinai. Hmm. That's really interesting. Like, I had a feeling it was that because when I was studying last year, for some reason, we had to study Jewish law, even though it wasn't even Mm. in the exam. And apparently, like, a lot of Jews tend to be divided on what they believe based on what they believe happened at Mount Sinai, which is, I think, very interesting. Mm. It's nice learning about other people's beliefs and stuff. I feel like a bit of a failure. I am the local <laughs> theology student. I was saying it's not Mount Horeb, but the only mountain I can remember is that mountain. <laughs> so I, I give a formal apology to my archaeology professor. We did have this on the exam and I did well. So it you did not have to feel bad. Don't feel bad at all. <laughs> it did not stick. But it stuck when it mattered. <laughs> That's all that really matters, you guys. When the exam is there and you pass, you don't have to do mm. it again. Who even cares? It's finished. It's almost like... I don't, want, I don't know if I want to say this on here, but it's almost like driver's <laughs> license. Yeah! <laughs> who, who drives K53 here? Mm. <laughs> no so one. Long, be mm-hmm. safe drivers, guys. Be Look all the there. ways. Mm-hmm. Pull up your handbrake when you stop. Oh. We support safe driving. Mm. Mm. Now we'll move on to the happy health tip. Health tips. How to be happy in your health. It's not just about being healthy. It's about being happy should be quite interesting. Chocolates are the true source of happiness. Now we are in the happy health tip portion of the show where we give you... Okay, guys, we are not medical professionals, but we can only share with you what we have prepared for you. And today we prepared seven health tips every man should take to heart. Hmm. Number one, have regular checkups, even if you feel okay. One of the best ways that men can promote their own good health is to have physical and wellness checkups each year. And I think that's so important because us as females, we always feel the need to go for our checkups because we feel like only we can be affected maybe like by breast cancer or Mm. by lumps. But there are many things that maybe men go through that we don't know that they actually need to be checked up. So that's one of the tips for you males out there. And I think next time you go to your doctor, find out what your yearly checkups are, then which age ages you should start mm. doing that. Because I know women have a couple of ages they should start doing specific things. I know there are those for men as well. So find out for your doctor when you should start those. Awesome. Number two, schedule an appointment with your doctor when something doesn't seem right. Mm. It's also important to see a doctor if you've noticed changes in your sleep or bathroom habits. Hmm, really? 
Huh. Apparently, because like, you know, sometimes you think, okay, I'll wait it out, but then it might be more serious than you yes. actually thought it was. Because I know of a couple of people who have waited things out, and then at the end of the day, they would like say, oh, if we could have caught it earlier, it wouldn't mm. have been, you know, such a big thing. So if you feel anything funny with your body, because who knows your body better than yourself, if yeah. you feel anything is different, anything is off, please schedule an appointment with your doctor. Number three. Know your family history and share it with your doctor. Don't hide things from your doctor. <laughs> if your dad or other family members have a history of hypertension, heart disease, diabetes, or any other chronic health conditions, you may be at higher risk for developing those conditions yourself. Your doctor can help you develop an action plan to minimize those risks and, incre- and increase your chances of early detection. Number four. This seems to be on everything. Get some exercise. <laughs> exercise really is like so, so that important. must be a health health mm. tip. Get those thirty minutes of cardio every Oof. day. Take a walk. Walk mm. like what ten k every day? Well, ten thousand steps. Um, Ooh, which I think less than ten k. I take these Monday night steps as my exercise for the <laughs> week. <laughs> They're like three flights of stairs. It should be. <laughs> so it says ideally you should exercise at least thirty minutes a day. But if you're having difficulty squeezing in a workout, remember that even a brisk 20-minute walk a few times a week with your spouse or a a regular play outside with your kids or grandkids can provide hot, healthy, and stress-relieving benefits. You know, since I don't have a spouse or kids (laughs) or grandkids, I don't know if I can... Really follow the steps. Oh, so I mean, really. I can't do these, it these to the are full. Also for level. men, though, so oh, yeah, these are the beginning. It wasn't for you or <laughs> Okay, touche. So, let me just repeat: seven health tips every man should take to heart. <laughs> Number five: give yourself permission to take a break. Knocking off once in a while to play golf, head to a ball game, or watch TV with your family aren't just fun ideas. They're best practices that help you keep stress. At bay. So you don't always need to be busy, men. You don't always need to be on the go. Number six, ask your doctor about cancer screenings. Like Amarain said, ask them when are you scheduled? Because it says here, based on your age, your family history and lifestyle, your doctor may recommend that you undergo screening for colon cancer, prostate cancer or lung cancer. Number seven, Stop smoking. (laughs) (laughs) It says ask your doctor to help you develop a plan of action, then pick a quit date. You can't see me, but I'm doing inverted commas. Inverted commas. (laughs) Quit date and stick with it. So those are the seven happy health tips for men to take to heart. Hmm, I like how there was a quit date because a lot of people whenever they try to make a change like that they Mm. try and quit cold turkey and that can be more harmful than you know actually just i don't know phasing it out so there has to be a way around it but it really depends on your personality because my grandfather stopped smoking when okay this is going to sound rough when cigarette cartons were like for 40 cents i think he looked (laughs) at the price and he's like no and oh, stop wow. smoking apparently so it yeah. depends on it your depends, person- yeah. personality yeah. as well because mm. so for true. some people it will be better to kind of just stop right there mm. for some people phasing it out might be a little bit bit better yeah but i you see again for me i feel like if i had a habit and i would want to quit i don't know if phasing it out would work for me because mm. i'll be like i'm phasing i'm phasing but then i feel like i'll just 
stay in that pattern. I mean, I think it also depends on your motivations for doing that. Mm. Like, if you have kids or something like that, mm. then you should stop smoking for not only your health, but their health. Yes. If yeah. you have your why, basically. Mm. Yeah. That's probably more important than the process you use to get rid of it then, I guess. Yeah. Get that motivation, guys. <laughs> and just like that, we've come to the end. Of the show. <gasps> the bottom of the hour. 30 minutes ago, we were halfway <laughs> through the show, and now it's basically 8 o'clock. And we're going home. But we're going to be back next week, you guys, with mm. another fun fact show for you guys. Yes. It's going to be great. You guys should tune in, follow mm. us up, check the podcast out on our website if you want to listen to the show again. It was really, really cool. And yeah, this has been 180 Degrees. Yes. I was going to say, also, don't forget, we've downloaded a new app. I mean, we've <laughs> we have an app. We've downloaded. So don't forget to download our app. Don't forget to text us, WhatsApp us. If you would like to listen to all those young adults out there, financial planning, this interview was for you. Not just for you, but I mean, if you are listening out there and you want to have a re-listen, you can listen to the podcast. So true. And this is such a fun and easy way. This has been 180 Degrees. Signing Signing out. out. Tweet us at IamYMovement.